0: You've got George. You've got Tom. And you've got Uncle Steve. You've got 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 another another podcast coming.
1: (laughs) We are thrilled to have you here. Our first guest from the podcasting world, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone is a show that Tom and I are fans of. It's great to have you. So, Steve, just please introduce yourself to the
0: listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into Priest. I'm Steve. I do a podcast called Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone which is focused mainly on Iron Maiden, but I've done other episodes on obviously Judas Priest. I've done episodes on Ozzy, Kiss, Metallica, lots of different bands. It's been going for almost it'll be 2 years in February, so and how did I get into Priest? It's it's I was trying to think about this last night like trying to jot it all down cuz it's interesting because you got another thing coming was uh your first song, right, Tom? That's correct, yep. Okay, now that's the first one I ever remember hearing when I was probably 10 and 82. So I don't remember much of it, but I just remember having an old cassette tape of myself and I was singing the line, you got another thing coming. <laughs> oh, it's so rad. <laughs> I don't have the cassette anymore, unfortunately. But, um, Bummer. I know. So years later, probably... In and George might have heard this. I don't know if you might have heard this on the podcast. I don't know if you, I don't know how much you listen or not, Tom, but I've talked about the way I got into Maiden was I got a I heard a song and then I got a live album from a kid at school. And I was thinking about this and I thought this is really cool because the same kid that I got live after death from, I also got priest live from oh, on cassette. No way. That's yeah, that's like a fate meeting. Sad. And both of them were live. I know. Now, I had probably gotten Defenders of the Faith from the Columbia House Club back in the day where, you know, mail them a penny and all that. And I don't remember loving Defenders of the Faith. You know, it, it opened with, um, oh, God, freewheel burning, free will burning. And I think at that point in my life, the aggression was like, whoa. But when I heard Priest Live, which and I know this might really offend you know, some old school priest fans. But to me, that's the the definitive priest album that's live. Like I like it better than Unleashed in the East or Unleashed in the Studio, however you want to call it. <laughs> um, I, I assume that Priest Live probably has a lot of um, vocal fixes on it too, because Rob sounds too incredible on too many of those songs. He almost never sounds worn, you know, like when he does Love Bites and some heads are going to roll and things like that. You're right. But anyway, right. I'm, I'm digressing here. So I got priest alive and hearing that really kind of hooked me in. So I was excited when the next, uh, you know, I guess I got that. and I hadn't heard turbo. So then I remember going and listening to turbo and just being like, totally let down by it. Cause I was like, Oh gosh, you know, and then Ram it down was out. And I don't remember, I don't even think I gave that a chance, but then I remember I was talking to a friend of mine. I called him yesterday. I said, Hey, I was kind of rehearsing a few things with them because from the past and I said, do you remember it? Cause he, he was like, dude, you got to listen to this Ram it down. You got You got to hear how it starts, you know, with Rob, just going ah! for the opening of Ram it down. And I was just like, that's incredible. That's an incredible I love that song. I know. Super, super overlooked song. Oh yeah. But the thing that really, really hooked me in the hardest, obviously is, uh, well, I don't have it right behind me is the painkiller. I, I Cause that was when I was getting into, like I said, I went and saw them before I said, I saw them on the tour in 19. Well, if you look in the book that came with the box set, right. There's a concert stub, November 17th, 1990 at reunion arena. That's the show I was at, which I thought was cool, but I wasn't just, you know, at that point it was more Megadeth and anthrax and things like that. So when painkiller came out and I mean that album that, if I have the name, my top 10 albums of all time, That one's pretty damn high. (laughs) It's probably in the top five of, there's not a bad track on it. It's incredible. And that's that's what hooked me on Priest's Painkiller overall. I would not disagree with you there.
1: That album is a masterpiece. And maybe it's appropriate that we're here today to talk about some of the live concerts from the Painkiller Tour, the Live in Irvine 1991 show that came in the big Judas Priest 50 years box set. So that's one of those unreleased concerts and bootlegs of this show have gone around and around on the internet for years. But now it finally has, uh, I guess we'll say it is an official release now because it's been put out by priests themselves and remastered.
0: Indeed. And it's it's uh, something funny about it, because the album opens with Hellbet for Leather. And did have you guys seen the well, I know that And this might have been before y'all were even born. Were y'all born when Painkiller came out? <laughs> I was one. Um, I think. Uh, so I was born. Painkiller was
2: what, 90? Yeah, so I, I was born in 92. Oh, wow.
0: So so I saw Judas Priest twice before you were born, Tom. <laughs>
2: Holy crap.
0: Dude, that is wild to think about. You know, there's a lot of times on your podcast where you guys will go, especially you, Tom. You'll go, "Oh man, I'm just getting so old," and I'm just like, "These young bucks here making me feel old talking about them."
2: I guess I guess it happens to everyone, you know. Like, I, I as you as you
0: approach thirty, that's officially old now. Hey y'all! Y'all normally I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing that y'all normally do because y'all said we weren't drinking beer, which and I told you I'm not a beer drinker, but uh, this is for y'all.
2: Oh yes, love it. Yeah, a, uh, and just so anyone looking,
0: It's a Starbucks triple shot energy with zero sugar. <laughs> oh yes, it's probably it, here. Let me let's find out. Y'all y'all guys are always oh yeah the you can just taste the hops in here and all this stuff and I'm gonna be like probably gagging here in a second. Well, well, let's find out. Can you taste Never- the vanilla, Steve? You know what? That's really not too bad. All right. I can I taste don't. the vanilla. It's got a real, it, it doesn't have a pumpkin spice to it, but uh, <laughs> which might disappoint
2: Tom. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, different strokes make the world go around.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, so, okay. So they had the, uh, it might be on DVD now, but Metalworks when they put it out when Rob left the band. Yep. Greatest hits collection. Right. And toward the very, I think it's the very end of it. They had hell bent for leather from this Irvine show on it. Right. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that it, it's on there. Well, well, here's, here's what I was thinking was funny. Cause I, I never, I totally forgot about this. And when I was thinking about talking to y'all, it popped up and I was like, this is going to be funny. So back in the day, this is, now, now, now Tom, you're going to feel young when I say all this. Okay. All right. Gonna, I'm, t- I'm going to take your word for it. You're going to realize how young you are when you hear this. So. <laughs> I was probably twenty years old, twenty-one years old. I had a TV in my room, and it was hooked up, of course, to my VCR that I <laughs> that I bought at uh, where did I even buy? It? That's a store that closed, Montgomery Ward's. <laughs> Have you ever never heard of that? Never heard of that one. <laughs> okay, so I'm two for two here. And the VCR and the TV had an alarm on them, where you could set an alarm for the TV to turn on at a certain time or whatever, and I guess to so people could record shows. Back then, because you didn't have DVRs back then either, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that's a time you don't know about, but. <laughs> well, wait, hey, hey! Listen, I remember
2: VCRs well enough. All right. <laughs> yeah, we had those till we were about like twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, I would set my VCR like to go to work every morning. I would set my VCR and my TV to come on at the same time, and I always had the VCR. I had the uh, the metal was it, was it Metalworks in, and I always had it set to the Hellbent for Leather coming in. And so I would wake up every morning to the video of Hellbent for Leather. (laughs) Nice.
1: That is a cool-ass story, Steve. I don't know if I've heard (laughs) you tell that one before. I like it. i never told.
0: I totally forgot about it until just yesterday.
1: So, Steve, you said you attended those concerts in 1990 and 1991. And Mm -hmm. I want to know, like, what
0: was your experience? Tell us how it felt to be there. So it was Operation Rock and Roll, and like I said, uh, in Rob's book, I was telling you, I listened to it a couple of days, heard the audio book the other day, and he was talking about the whole Operation Rock and Roll being kind of anticlimactic, because I guess the whole, you know, bands like Nirvana, and and had, they had broken, I hate calling it the grunge scene, because it was rock and roll music. Um, there was and, a little more than that. There was alternative rock,
1: hip hop sure, was sure. on the rise. I think calling it the grunge breakthrough yeah. really kind of oversimplifies everything that was going on in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so, with all that, you know, metal, the concerts weren't selling as well, but they did this Operation Rock and Roll tour at the end of um, the Gulf War, I believe it was. And Rob talked about the band. He said, Bushed was a word he used, Bushed and Tired. And he said, And I wasn't the only one in the band that felt that way. And he said, that they kind of were talked into going on this tour because of, hey, they just had this big victory in the Gulf and we want to do this tour to honor the troops or whatever it was. And he said that they just, it was weird for them to go into it. And he talked about it being anticlimactic because the shows weren't all sold out. And it was, he said, you're singing to a lot of empty places. And it's kind of weird to hear it now because I'm thinking I've always cherished that show. The show, which I, I assume you guys might know, but if you don't, it was, it was five bands and it was the opening band was metal church, which I'm a huge metal church fan with my cow um, rest in peace and um, dangerous toys, which is a Texas band, like a Texas kind of a, uh, just rock and roll, regular old ACDC, ACDC type uh, LA guns, guns and roses vibe. They get lumped uh, into that late glam metal scene a lot that late mm-hmm. era glam. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third band and I think this might be a band you guys are into but I I've, I've never been into was Motorhead.
3: Ooh. Yeah,
1: yeah. so th- now you're talking man. Now this is looking like a lineup. <laughs> this oh, sounds man.
0: like
2: one hell of a friggin' tour honestly. Yeah, and I'm but, not even done
0: yet. Oh, uh, dude, please continue. Yeah. So, and I will say this about Motorhead, there's only one other band that I think was ever louder. Motorhead was so loud they were louder than any other band that played this show um but the next band that came on which i don't know if y'all would be into this artist or not is alice cooper came on next hell yeah okay damn damn, that's cool (laughs) and then of course the show climaxed with judas priest so i mean that's an incredible lineup because other than motorhead i love all those bands and Mm -hmm. so we got there you know a show like this is starting at like i don't know 5 p.m in texas in august which is hot as hell so you know we got there early and i understand what rob says about the shows not being you know maybe sold out and because we got there at four and there was nobody there and we had i don't know maybe we were 35 rows back or something in the middle you know so decent but i remember there was nobody there and and there was no security anywhere which so i looked at my friend i said hey let's just walk up and sit let's just go up as close as we can and sit and then when someone shows up we'll just leave well I, I said there's no security solid strategy yeah so so we walked up there <laughs> and we walked i'm telling you dude we walked all the way we got to second row and first <laughs> row was even available and i was just like i I don't think I have the balls to go sit on the front row. You know I mean? It's, <laughs> that seems a little more likely that someone will show up. Yeah.
1: Quicker. The people not, who bought front row tickets, they're not missing it.
2: Just not even willing to
0: chance it, honestly. Yeah. Cause I was thinking I want to be here as long as possible. And I knew metal church was opening. And I was like, if I can just even see them second row, that'll be cool enough. So we were there. Metal church played. Nobody showed up. Dangerous toys played. Nobody showed up. God, what? A Mo- motorhead played. I mean, the Seats around us were filling up, but no one showed up for our seats. Motor had yeah. played, no one showed up. Alice Cooper played, no one showed up. No one ever showed up. So I mean, and back then, you know, nowadays you go to a, a uh like an arena type show, the 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 bear, hey, don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the the barriers between um the stage now, there's a bigger gap now. Back then the barrier was maybe you know three or four feet. Yeah. So your second row, you're close. And, you know, imagine Rob Halford's sweat drizzled onto you. If you're dude, lucky, imagine this, imagine, I mean, you've seen the the footage obviously of Hellbent for leather when they, the way they come on and, and the motorcycle revving up and just second row. I mean, oh. it was, and I was like super, super, super into painkiller. So I was like totally stoked to be that close. And, Memory-wise, it's you know that show was in 1991, so it was you know 30 years ago. And the couple of things that really stand out to me is okay, because once we got that close, you know, once security showed up, we're in a catch-22. You know, you're thirsty, but you can't leave and go get a drink because you're not getting back up there. Mm -hmm. No. And my friend that was with me, he like I, I could deal with it, but he was getting like really, really, really thirsty, and. So there's a couple of different things that happen, Like, and I think Rob is kind of notorious for doing this, but my friend was almost standing there just like, like, like frowning, you know, just kind of like, Oh, I'm so thirsty. And just, yeah. Kind of almost like you're, (laughs) you forget where you're at. Mm. And so he was almost a little miserable and there was a certain point. I think this is a little later in the show, but I remember Rob walks up to the front of the stage, looks right at my friend and he does this, makes this (laughs) frown face at him and, you know, crosses crosses his his arms. arms. And my friend, it was just like he completely like he just realized, oh, my God, I'm second row for Judas Priest. And I mean, <laughs> what am I thinking, you know? And so but that that's one thing we always laugh about is because, like, you know, he was just so out of it. But the one other thing that I really remember, and I think, you know, when Rob sings a lot, he kind of, you know how he does this, uh, where he kind of he kind of yeah. hunkers down. He's really getting into yeah, it. Yeah. Like he's and so. He was down doing, I remember, I, I want to, it was either All Guns Blazing or Painkiller. I can't remember which song, but I just remember him doing it. And I remember when he stood up when he was done and he was just like breathing, just like you could see his whole body, you know, his whole body just moving because he's wearing the big leather jacket and all that stuff, you know. And he's like, so it might have been earlier in the show even when he did that. It may not have been one of those two songs, but I just remember seeing that and you realize, man, this dude is giving it everything he's got. Mm. Like he ain't playing. Other than that, I honestly don't have a whole lot of extra memories from the show, but I, you know, the, the memory of of him walking to the front and looking at my friend and doing that, it was just like, that's something I've never forgotten. So, you know, that
1: is cool. And Rob Halford literally brings people in the crowd to
2: life. And that's Uh kind of an example. Like your buddy woke right up as soon as Rob looked at him. You know what that reminded me of? Um, George, do you remember when we went to Mayhem Festival? What was that, 2007, thereabouts? We went to the show, and Disturbed was one of the headliners, and it was a big festival. So we got there at probably noon and did not leave until, like, 9 o'clock at night. And it was the majority of the shows were played outside, um, and it was the middle of summer when this was happening. And so by the end of the show, everyone was pretty pooped, ourselves included. Like, we were just tired, you know. We had yeah. a, a big day, and Disturbed came on. They were the last band. They were the headlining act of the day. And David Draymond came out on stage and started berating the audience because people weren't standing up. And he was like, you know, when we're up here, do we sit down for you? And it's like, dude, you've had all day to prepare for the show. We've been <laughs> right. out here for hours. What the fuck do you mean?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's that's like, funny.
2: it's a way less cool version of your story, but it definitely reminded me of that. as oh, long as we're yeah. And listen,
1: that's an example of a front man who can't get the crowd up. I mean, mm-hmm. if that was priest or Slipknot, People would be losing
2: their stuff. Yeah, man, straight up. And even if not, it's like unbeat like be a little empathetic. <laughs> like try to understand.
0: Well, it also shows the difference between what kind of a front man you got. Mm. You know, Rob is well, A, being English, you know, he's 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 um very proper and he's a class act. Mm. You know, he's not upstage berating anybody. He's he's gonna get you into it. Hey, watch this. I'll get you into it without you even mm. being ready for it. Mm. I
2: was talking to the um, who's the guy from the Feckin Metal podcast? Uh, uh, well, Fergal. I, he job. calls him Fergo, but I have a nickname for him. Uh, <laughs> what's your nickname?
0: Surfex a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was having an exchange with him on Twitter the other day, and we were talking about you know Ripper Owens as I saw that you know, yeah you know it's hard to compare Owens to Halford, but you know for. What it's worth, Owens is a phenomenal vocalist, but Halford has some you got some big shoes to fill when oh, you're yeah. when you're replacing him, man. So even the even like no matter who you're putting on the mic, Halford yeah. is impossible to upstage. Like I, I genuinely believe that there's no, uh, no one else who can give the band that raw
0: performative energy that he can. And the connection to the crowd exactly he does it in such a way he, you know, some guys are up there and they talk and talk and talk and talk. And Halford, he talks a little bit, you know, he gives you just enough, you know, he, he does one of his, he's no Saturday night. And the priest is back. You know, he just knows what to say to get the crowd to, you know, whatever. And he, you know, whereas you get someone like Paul Stanley from kiss who just good Lord. And, and, and I mean, sometimes I would even say Bruce Dickinson, just shut up already. And let's move on, you know,
1: Yeah, I think it's I quite wise that the Iron Maiden live albums never include any of Bruce's rants, <laughs> because that's usually the time when people get up to yeah. go pee during
2: the set. Wait, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm un so I'm not the biggest Maiden fan, so I'm unfamiliar. Yeah. What kind of stuff does Dickinson? If we could digress for just a second, what kind
0: of stuff does he like to rant about? He's just a talker. Oh, you know, okay, he, he's into history. He's into you know current events and and things like that and he'll just he's a little outspoken about things at times and it's not that it's you know like uh pol- you know politically charged or anything but it's okay. just you're like look I, I i'd rather you play another song save your voice for the music that's what yeah, i'm here for
2: of course okay i understand because that was it's oh. kind of curious to me so it's just kind of like whatever's tickling yeah. his brain at the moment i guess
4: having a good time ain't you you might be wondering what all these cameras are doing. This is for that uh, in-concert 91. You're all going to be on
3: TV in about two weeks.
4: You're going to be rock and roll stars. Yeah. <laughs> Ready for this one? We're going to do a little bit of turbo loving.
1: Gentlemen, uh, let's go through this set list of the night. Okay, so, let's do it. Live in Irvine 91, uh, 16 songs off of nine different albums, No Ram It Down, No Stained Class, and of course, No rock rolla <laughs> Starting off with Hellbent for Weather. Wait, Hellbent for Weather at the beginning? What, what the heck is that? It's awesome. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's kind of cool. And, you know, with Priest's openers, they don't stick to one regular song and they rotate it. But it's also kind of weird because a lot of bands will open up with something brand new, like the big song from their new album. Mm. And Priest, they dug out a classic. Although, honestly, if you want to get the crowd amped up right away coming out on a motorcycle might be the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's but
3: right. But
2: then right. you don't have something like that to bring out later. Mm. That's true. That's a
0: good point. That's a good point.
2: I mean, listen, as far as openers go, hell, you could do worse than Hellbent for Leather. I mean, I know people usually prefer um, Hellion and Electric Eye. That's you, that, I think that was a popular opener for a while. But I think Hellbent for Leather is a superb choice. Like That's a great way to get the energy going, I think.
0: I totally agree. I totally
2: agree. Because it is actually kind of unexpected.
0: I I, w- now, I will true. say this, um, and George, you'll probably understand what I'm saying here, but when Iron Maiden got a new drummer in 1983, mm. and that album opens in a little bit of a similar way to Painkiller. It starts off with drums, except Painkiller's drumming is is way longer, and, and just, it, they're both incredible. Mm. But Iron Maiden opened that tour basically saying, guess what? We got a new drummer. Here he is. He's the yes. person you're going to hear at every show. And so I was thinking about this. I thought that would be a cool thing to do would have been to just have Scott Travis go out on the stage, you know, bada, 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 just do the whole thing. I was like, you know, that have been, yeah, that that's the only other, I, I do have a comment about it later when we get to that song though, about, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been listening to this album, a decent, I've listened to it probably five or six times this week. And I really just, it's making me realize more and more how, how much I love listening to Rob sing. I love when he rolls his R's, you know? Yes. Just so much. And (laughs) there's one line that I I really like the way, because he's almost singing it like with a snarky. He's like, when he goes, he goes, there's many who try to prove that they're fast. Yeah, kind of like that. Oh, it's so cool, man. I wrote that in my notes.
1: There's a real snarl to the vocals here. And maybe he's just singing it a little more in line with, the way that his style evolved in
2: Ram it down and Painkiller where he okay. was going for more of a vicious bite yeah he's just the man just he performs and sings with so much flair and charisma um you can't help but not get absolutely engrossed in it i think
3: he tried to move
4: but, they didn't last, but they
3: He's
0: awesome. And, you know, at the, at the end, um, you know, when he's just going, whoa yeah, wow yeah. And it's so high. <laughs> and I'm just sometimes, do you ever think this, Hey, save it for later in the show, <laughs> you know, cause, cause you know, the songs he sings are very demanding, you know, and sometimes you, you, you know, cause they do in painkiller and, and like a, uh, touch of evil toward the end of the set. Before they come back. And I'm like, those songs are tough. Mm. And like, especially Painkiller. Like to me, that's that's another reason I think it would be a good opener is because he's at a hundred percent. And because on, on on this album on Painkiller, it's like, I mean, I don't want to sit there and say he's not sounding good, but you can tell he's he's more strained when he's trying to sing it toward the end of the show. So
2: you know, like I actually watched a video recently, it was really interesting. Of, I don't remember. It's worth checking out. I don't remember the name of the channel off the top of my head, but a vocal coach was um, analyzing Painkiller um, mm-hmm. from a non-metal perspective from a, a woman who is a uh, classically trained vocalist. Yes,
0: I've seen yes. that. That's oh, awesome. Have you? Yeah, yes, it's so, that's awesome.
2: It is really cool to see someone who's not familiar with metal to listen to this and analyze it and appreciate it for the powerhouse performance that it is. Yeah. You yeah. have got to be a top-notch vocalist to pull off a song like that with any modicum of uh, decency, I would say, if you're going to make it sound good, let alone great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, Painkiller as an opener would be so amazing, but I'm not sure if they could do it because to come right out of the gate and play your hardest song, mm. you no, know, they're not warmed up yet.
0: Could be yeah, that's a good point too. That
2: is a really good point, and I know that specifically because when I was playing with a band, you know, you definitely because you can warm up, you know, do your exercises all you want as a guitar player, but sometimes when you get up on stage, it's still not enough. So playing in front of your audience is the best warm up. So that may have something to do with it.
0: Sure, that that's definitely a good point. I didn't even really think about it. I just think about it as what. I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the thing like thematically, it makes a right. lot of sense that you
2: would come in with that friggin' one yeah. punch of painkiller.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was listening to Rob's book the other day and he was talking about, you know, there's the show, I guess, where Rob came up on the motorcycle too fast and they hadn't opened the thing yet and he hit his head on it and yeah. almost like, was knocked was out on stage. Door. It was, yeah. And they said, last straw for him to leave the band. Well, they said that, um, they played hell bent for leather the whole song as an instrumental that night. Cause he was, cause he said like, like Glenn bumped into him on the floor. Like, oh. what are you doing down there? But he said, after that, after that show that KK was complaining about something. And he said, what Glenn would do is, you know, add fuel for fire to it. You know, he kind of be throwing the gasoline on the fire. And he said, and then Ken jumped up on a table and was just screaming and yelling. He was, he was still drenched with sweat from the show. And he said, I was just like, you know, cause he had a sprained neck and a cracked rib or something or, oh, or a concussion gosh. or something. When that happened, Rob did, it. he did the whole show, but, and he just said, that was the last straw for me. He said, I was just sick of it. And I was, it's, it's but Ken definitely, you read his book and he sounds awesome, but he also, I don't know, man. I, I he almost he he reminds himself me
1: as the hero in his own book. I will say yeah.
2: that
0: he blames I mean, people. Yeah. Yeah. He does that.
2: Yeah, you know, the thing is like, I don't know. I mean, me so like me and my fiance are pretty spiritual people and we do believe a lot in like horoscopes and zodiac. Uh-huh. Um, dude, Downing is a Scorpio, and if pe when people have wronged him, they're dead to him. So you know, yeah. like again, take from that what you will. Sure. So. sure. <laughs>
1: Right. And then hell for weather. Pretty good. Like we said, great way to open the show. Then they take it to heading out on the highway. Mm. I was not a fan of this version. This is definitely one where Rob sounds like he's phoning it in.
3: Hmm. Mm.
0: I will say, George, you said, um, uh, cause to me, I, I said earlier, but priest live to me is the live album that I love by them. And so everything that's on this album that is on that album, I kind of, that's what I, that's my comparison. That's, that's what my standard is. And like, I'm listening to heading out to the highway and I'm like, there's a, there's like a, you know, the part, the guitar solo part toward the end of the song where they go like, and it's like it's like you almost can't it's like one of them forgot (laughs) and then the other one kind of it's like it's and part let me ask you this because i don't know it's
1: sloppy
2: it's a very sloppy
1: yeah even the main
2: solo is sloppy i gotta say though you two harmonized really well just before so thank you (laughs)
0: is this is this a soundboard recording is that what it is i know it was on in concert 91 when he talks about that because i remember seeing that on tv i remember seeing that on tv when it came out by the (laughs) way (laughs) restored from the
1: soundboard but you can you can hear the crowd sometimes so whether they added the crowd in the studio i'm not sure
2: wait that's really that's really interesting what is so wait what's a soundboard recording it's like that's just the
0: audio filtered through the soundboard uh i believe so i'm not an expert on that I, gotcha. I just know like kiss just put out an album uh it was a soundboard album from like 2001 it's just basically i believe it's just the the straight audio that the band is putting out and okay. and, and a lot of times you can't hear the crowd nearly as much in it god gotcha. yeah um, like even um and george you may know this or not too i'm not 100% sure even though i do an iron maiden podcast i'm about to prove that i'm not the smartest about iron maiden <laughs> but they did the um uh what was it? Knights of the Dead and I believe that's a soundboard recording huh because you yeah. can't hear the audience hardly at all
1: you can take the soundboard and get a really clean audio and yeah you can remaster okay. it
2: see this and, answers this answers a personal question of mine well relating to another band that <laughs> um, you know the a, a new recording came out from their final show. But it definitely sounds like it's live, but there's no audio from the crowd. So that, yeah, that kind of, part an- of it. so that kind of answers a question that I've had on my mind for like a week now. So thank you for that.
0: Well, on because a lot of these sing along parts, you know, um, particularly what's there's one on on uh, the Green Man Alicia toward the end. You know, when they do that, when the everyone sings that, uh, 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 hey, there we go. When they all do that, like yes. you can't hardly hear the audience at all. And, I'm, and so I, I really think that's a soundboard recording, which, but I'm happy to have it, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. And when you've heard these songs hundreds of times, it becomes very interesting to hear them live yeah. on each different tour. You get the experience of how these songs evolve over the course of decades. And in yeah. some cases, it's not the same song anymore that it was 20, 30, 40 years ago.
0: I will say this, I did write down one note that um you know the part right before the guitar solo, he goes on the highway, and then he the next part he screams it. Mm. And when yeah. he screams it that second time, it's god, oh, it's so awesome. I love that. I love when he does that. Oh, yeah, I just love his screaming stuff. It's so good.
2: Yeah, man. As far as vocalists go, I, I don't think um when he when he really gets it right, no one can beat him.
0: I was going to say this too. I, I meant to mention this earlier. Um, what I, I saw priest twice on that tour and then Rob left the band. I did oh. see, I did see a fight, um, on the, uh, war of Words tour as well as the, um, small deadly space. I saw both of those tours at a club. I which am was very cool. envious of you right now. Uncle <laughs> <T>. <laughs> and, and I also saw, um, uh Halford his band when he had the band when he opened for uh, maiden with his resurrection album nice and that was a you know he opened um, if I remember right he opened with the song resurrection which to me is reminiscent of painkiller it's so just the the screaming the vocals you know yeah and that was a brilliant brilliant performance
1: Uh, There's a tour from that, a live CD, Live Insurrection. Yeah. yeah. And that is the definitive Rob solo album to me. He throws in a ton of Priest classics, which he adds his own spin to, and Mm -hmm. all the best songs of his early solo career. It's a Mm -hmm. ripper. That is like,
2: if you're going to listen to any Rob solo album, that's the one. I feel like... A oh, Halford maiden tour is the closest thing you'll we we will ever get to yeah. priest and maiden <clears throat> being on tour at the same time. In our yeah. lifetime. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Especially now, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, as cool as it would be, it's like, how do you choose who the headliner is for that? Like those guys have they haven't been Brooklyn.
0: non-headliners in like what 40 years? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Maiden got to a pretty low point in the 90s where wow. they were playing. I mean, they played here a couple years ago and there's, you know, 18,000 people there and they played at a spot where there was maybe you know, 2,500 people here during um, the lean years. Wow. So. That is unheard of <clears throat>
2: for Maiden.
0: Yeah. 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 I,
2: I so. can't imagine them playing anything smaller than like a stadium. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. During uh, the 90s, they had some not so well received albums. And yeah. they weren't playing shows the same size. They were playing clubs, but yeah. they were still headlining.
2: There's, yeah, there's, this, is, this is one maiden. What's the maiden album? Um, I'm going to butcher the name. I'm probably not remembering. What's it? No Rest for the Wicked. What is that album? Uh,
0: no Prayer no for, prayer the, for dying. the Dying. No
2: Prayer for the Dying. Okay. that has No Rest one- for the Wicked is Aussie.
0: <laughs> ah, got it. That's, that is an Aussie album. Um,
2: okay. So I, the, I do really love one song off of that album. I love Mother Russia.
0: Oh, yeah. That's oh, song, is awesome.
2: That song is a banger, like among an album of duds. So I will.
0: Uh, it, it, the, the beat of the song, you know, na, 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 I think of troops, na, 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 you know, na, na, the, the Russian troops marching to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, it yeah, makes I, it I hear a little awesome. of the uh, Tetris theme.
1: Little bit yeah. of a Russian jig in there.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like, it's vaguely reminiscent of uh, um, Tchaikovsky's uh, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. Um, And it's kind of got like that waltzing tempo to it, which is something I really appreciate. You don't hear too much of that in any music, actually. Like, well, any I should say any metal music. You know, there's a a
1: smarter song than a lot of people give it credit for. Hell yeah. And you know what? It's cool that you appreciate it. And it's cool that we're going on a maiden tangent on You're our man. Priest podcast
2: hey listen you
3: got
1: as, as opposed to uncle steve's podcast about Nathan, <laughs> where we go on
0: priest tangents <laughs> exactly 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 well you know i, I was gonna say you but you guys uh I, I was talking to matt my my co-host and 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 I, when i first told him about you guys i said hey i want you to listen to these guys and just you know tell me what you think and and so i'm gonna tell you what he said because when he said it he goes Cause I said, Hey, are you okay with me telling them what what you said? And he goes, I don't know, man. I don't want them to take it as an insult. He goes, I don't mean it as an insult, but (laughs) so you got to hear this whole thing out. So I said, I said, check these guys out and see what you think. So he said, they remind me of a Jude, like Bill and Ted as Judas priest fans. He goes, (laughs) he goes, except they're smart. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) Oh, and I told him. He goes, man, don't don't, don't tell him that because I don't I don't want them to take it as an insult. And I was like, I don't take that as an insult. I think that's cool. Are you fucking kidding me? That's like compared one, that compared to Bill that, and
1: Ted, Mr. Keanu Reeves, and Alex Winters themselves. Dude, I'll take that, that a compliment. Is, that's
0: one of the highest compliments I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> that's but I thought that was awesome when he said it because I was because he he just texted it to me and I was just like because I said, hey, I want you to listen to this and just tell me what you think later. And so when you replied, I just thought, that's
2: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, thank you.
0: If you're listening.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Matt. We appreciate you, especially that we've been able to deceive you into thinking we're smart. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh man. That's funny. That's funny. back to it yeah i'll try so, to get us on yeah i'll say the hellion yeah. and electric Eye's next okay electric,
1: hellion electric Eye, good opener uh i get when you don't play it to open i guess where do you put it anywhere third is as good as place as any yeah uh, i don't have too much to say about this one it's not a standout version but there's not anything particularly wrong with
2: it either mm yeah hellion always struck me as like the concert opener and i'm not sure why they don't do that more frequently
0: i i think um it would be a good uh encore because oh. you know you're you're the band's off stage and then all of a sudden but i oh, do yeah. have a question um have they ever played the hellion live I mean, is it always the recording? Because I mean, it's the recording on Priest Live, but I've, I don't know if they've ever. Because um, you know, like <clears throat> Iron Maiden on Moonchild, right? They play, you know, it's the they play the recorded keyboard part at the beginning, but on uh, Flight Six Six Six, they play it on. You know, Adrian plays it on guitar, mm. and I was just, it made me. I was just thinking, have they ever played the Hellion live? Is there a live version of them playing that, other than maybe in the studio? Not that I've heard. I mean,
2: and what's interesting is that depending on what era of priests you're listening to, they tune their guitars differently. So post Painkiller into the Ripper era, they really started down tuning, and then I think they stuck with um it's either D standard or E flat, but they changed Hellion accordingly, which is interesting to for to be in the new in um the new key. In accordance with what tuning they're playing in, and I'm not sure if they actually play it or if they just recorded a new version of it. But it is retuned to fit their new sound.
1: Okay, okay, that is really cool
0: of a fun fact that I didn't know. Thank you for that, Tom. Yeah, man, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I, I did want to say this because uh, George said he didn't have much to say, but I the one thing I thought was cool is uh, the double bass added. I was like, hello, Scott Travis. You know that? Yes.
1: Yeah, double bass is a good fit for electric eye. And uh that's very much unlike the song that comes right after it on this album. <laughs> because for Diamonds and Rust, they play it super duper fast. Yeah, I don't think quicker. the double bass really sounds like it fits there.
0: Mm. Oh, I, I like it, you know, because the the part where he he doesn't he does it sporadically, he doesn't do it the whole time, but um <clears throat> I yeah, I I I just remember, you know, turbo and then painkiller and hearing just that. I mean, that opening. I mean, God, it's incredible. I
2: mean, double bass drumming was a relatively new phenomenon at the time. It's incredible. It's incredibly standard now, but I can imagine, um, you know, priest hearing Scott Travis play that sort of thing for the first time. And their imagination is just going wild over like, Oh my yeah.
0: God, how can we incorporate? This what in could we thing? do with that? Yeah. Yes. I have another question, George, and this is, I listened to a podcast recently and they were talking about, they did a, a Judas priest themed episode and they were talking about the eighties albums. And they said some guy that was on said that on Ram it down that, um, uh, Dave Holland played zero drums on it. Like that it was all drum machine. Is that true? I've heard
1: the same, and I don't think you'll ever get anyone in the band to officially admit that. But it's a story that I've heard told so many times that I'm inclined to believe it's at least somewhat true. Whether he played (laughs) limited drums or no drums at all, he definitely was not super involved in Ram It Down.
2: That's weird, Steve, because I remember I, I heard that on your podcast when I listened to your Turbo episode. That was the first time I had ever heard that before. Yeah. Um, and I got to be honest, I don't think Holland had the skill to pull off some of those songs. Just And the drums, if you really listen with a keen ear, they are pretty synthetic. And the okay. timing on them is just,
0: it's too- impeccable.
2: Yes, and
3: You're like, perfect.
2: it's one of those things where you might not pick up on it consciously, yeah. but your brain can start to pick up. It'll recognize the pattern over time. Sure. Okay, this is too precise. There's not
0: a single missed beat. That's a good point because <clears throat> I can't imagine Dave Holland playing hard as iron. You know, the way it opens, just sure. that drive. Like you can imagine Scott Travis playing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome a to drummer. hear that live? Yeah, yeah. I don't like the, cor- you know, the chorus is a little bit, you know, hard as iron, sharp as steel, that whole, I don't really care for the chorus, but man, just the driving guitars and the pounding bass, man, it's awesome.
3: So,
1: Steve, what did you think of this Diamonds and Rust version? So it is the Sin After Sin kind of version they're playing. They're not doing yeah. the sort of
0: ballad version that they introduced later in their careers. Yeah, yeah. I'll say um, from Unleashed in the East, you know, the, the, the thing I like on that album better is the way you can really, the, the guitar riff is really pronounced, Dun, dun, dig, 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 and it's like dun, uh, uh, uh. it's like a little more and on this one it almost feels a little rushed like they don't you don't really I, I'm so used to hearing that echoey thing and then but I think Rob sounds good I think the music sounds good it's, it's quick and again Scott Travis is double bass I like I like what they I just love it I like the way what they I like what it adds mm.
1: cool and what's interesting about this song on this show is that this is another song that had kind of a big hiatus they took Diamonds and Rust out of the permanent set list after Screaming for Vengeance wrapped in 1983 and they only played it on a few rare occasions until the 2000s when it became a stable once again so it's sort of weird how songs can have a lull
0: and then come back and then have that sort of curve effect well, you talked about on your most recent episode how delivering the goods was gone for so long, and I'm just like, I didn't, I didn't realize that because, like I said, I haven't seen. It, it sounds weird when I think about only seeing Priest twice, but I guess because I saw Rob three different times, it, it feels like I've seen Priest more. Sure. And have you guys heard um, the Skid Row version of delivering the goods with Rob Halford?
2: I, Ooh, we're not talking about that I, one. I have not Sorry. heard. I have not heard a Skid Row song. Well, so. Actually, no, no. Tom, that, that version was the one where they were sort of rapping a little bit. Oh, and yeah. Turned it off after 30 seconds. What? You showed me that.
0: And like, I felt like vomiting when we were listening to it. So. Well, there's a, I'm sorry, there's a, they have an album called B-Sides Themselves. And I'm not a Skid oh, Row fan per se, got but me. Rob, but it's a live version. Oh, okay. I think, and Rob sings with them and, and Rob sounds awesome. I mean, like there was this one video that, I mean,
2: this is something that George showed me where like, I don't remember what the context was. Halford came on with like cut off denim shorts and like a like sleeveless flannel and a backwards hat and started. That rapping. was his
0: fight era. Yeah. Oh,
2: God. And I was like, God, Rob, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, Let me ask what? you this. Let me ask you all this real quick, because I've. There's one album that Rob's done, which I consider to be his absolute worst thing he's ever been on, ever, 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 hmm. and it's uh, it, it's it's the thing he did called Two. Yeah, I knew that? that's
2: where you were going. I'm unfamiliar. Well, we come, stay that way. That episode, that's a good <laughs> album to pull from. All right, you know what? Listen, that'll have to be like its own episode. But now that you've explicitly told me not to, that's the first thing I'm gonna do when I get off here.
0: Trust me, you're gonna you're gonna come back and say, You were right. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) It's awful. It's horrible. I I love terrible things. Like, I don't know. I get like this weird
2: enjoyment out of listening to terrible things because I'm always just wondering, like, I'm playing a game with myself. Okay, what could be the worst thing I've ever heard and how bad could it be?
0: And it's It's, a lot it's fun for me. I love Halford, and I love—I mean, like there's people that don't like the second fight album because it was a little more alternativey. Sure, mm-hmm. but I like it because it's Halford. But man, that two album—it's it was done with Trent Reznor from Oh, uh, yeah, and Nine Inch Nails. it's just there's one halfway decent song on the album. That's generous. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And w- it was the one they made a video with, like I am a pig or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. Something about a pig. But sounds
2: uh, like it sounds more like a Primus song than. <laughs> yeah. out, than My name out is Mud. Out. <laughs> I am the race car. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, oh man! Your
2: crinkle. You ready?
1: we get back to 1991. Yes, Yes, sir. We're at this concert, and this is kind of interesting. There are no painkiller songs until number five. Yo, what?
0: That makes sense uh, to me, though.
1: All Guns Blazing, which is amazing. Yes. And it's kind of like, I almost feel like they were waiting until they were warmed up to start doing some of these tough songs, because that's sort of late in the set to start introducing fans to your new material if they haven't heard it yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is a good strategy, honestly. I mean, especially if it's new material, you want to present it in a way where you don't, um, you want to, you want to be as impeccable as possible when you play it live. Um, You don't, the last thing you want to do is premiere a new song and have it come out shoddy.
0: I don't know because I saw the tour twice, but I don't remember because I was thinking this was their second go around in the United States for this tour, basically. So it's possible that they said we've already played these songs live. And I don't know if the other shows, the beginning of the tour, if they were opening with Hellbent for Leather or not. But um, I thought it's a good idea because the crowd's there and they want to hear a Judas Priest so that, you know, you come on, you play Heading Out to the Highway, you play you know, electric eye and everybody's into those, everybody loves those songs. So then, then you go, okay, now you got, now, now we got you warmed up too. Yeah. Now we're going to show you what we're doing now. And, hmm. and the way he starts out that, cause this is one song that I've heard from this album before, you know, on YouTube, I used to watch it a lot. Just, he sings, you know, the twisting, the strangle, it's like higher than the album. And it's incredible. I love like, I didn't even realize, like, when I was listening to the album, I didn't know what song was coming next. I was just kind of had it on my, you know, listening to headphones and, and I knew what song it was, right? When he, cause he gets on, he goes, You ready? And I was like, Oh, this is all good blazing.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's there's like, some- yeah, that is
0: deadly. There's some incredible. I wrote down like a few different time stamps. I wrote 118, 227, 231. And 310 that there's just some awesome screams. He just mm-hmm. does these really, and then at the end of the song, when he just keeps going, come on, da-na, 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 da-na,
3: come on.
0: I love it.
4: Yes! Oh!
1: Yeah, this is one of the highlights of this show, maybe the best thing from this live CD, because you don't get any other live versions of All Guns Blazing ever. They didn't play this again until 2019 on the Firepower Tour.
2: That is insane to think about how many of these painkiller songs had to wait two decades to get played.
0: Well, but the fact that Rob was gone for a decade and True. a half—that yeah. yeah. that really screws the some of this stuff up because you think they would have probably played these songs for years and years, but you know he had to do his own thing, which it's the whole that whole premise is weird because they wouldn't let him do solo stuff. They were like, "You have to leave the band to release yeah. other material." That was stupid, and that bit them in the ass. Yeah,
2: really. Yeah. Uh, they they paid dearly for that policy. It seems, mm-hmm.
0: but it, it's yeah that song is incredible. Funny story. A couple of years ago, we were on vacation. We were in Colorado with the, some of my wife's friends and they have a little kid that was like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And I was just playing different songs and his dad's a metalhead. And I was like, Hey, listen to this. And I played, I, I played this version, you know, that was on YouTube yes. of where he comes in twisting. It's so loud. And that kid would practically run. When that came on, <laughs> or or if I turned it on, it was like he was like, no, 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 turn it off, turn it off. Like it freaked him out. It was oh so funny. god,
2: <laughs> I know it was so weird. <laughs> wow, Palford is so powerful that like it genuinely frightens children.
3: <laughs> exactly. well, that's
1: how you find out if your uh, if your friends' kids are cool
0: or not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was the litmus test. There, <laughs> he failed. Yes.
4: <laughs> Matching in the sea.
1: Are all guns blazing you get metal gods this song in particular sounds a lot quicker but everyone in the band sounds great here mm. they're all nicely warmed up at this
2: point metal gods is on my top five favorite um priest songs of all time really absolutely man like that one for some reason it just gets me like for for whatever reason like none of their other songs get me the way metal gods does that's kind of, Ooh. that's one of the reasons I really wanted to name this podcast Metal Gods too, to encapsulate
0: well, all of the best yeah. elements of the band. Oh, yeah. And Rob, and it's, but yeah, I think this one uh, is played pretty fast as well. It sure and, is. But one of the things that I love is, you know, where the, the, the line where he says, ripping men apart, but he's like, ripping men apart. Yeah, it does. And then another, another timestamp, 154, there's a really awesome scream, so. I love it. It's a good I'm song. Throw Bye. that
1: in. I'll throw in that clip for you, Steve. Now this concert is getting really good. This version of Some Heads Are Gonna Roll is awesome. Mm, It's sped up. Scott Travis adds a little bit of flair to the fills, a few Mm. extra double bass kicks, but nothing that really changes up the song in a strange way, like I think happened with Diamonds and Rust. I think when Scott adds the double bass in the heavy songs like Electric Eye and Some Heads Are Gonna Roll, they really benefit from it big
3: time.
0: I'll say for me this is probably there's a couple of songs but this is one of the songs I was the most happy to see on this album because like on Defenders of the Faith it's good but all of the Defenders of the Faith songs benefit heavily from being on Priest live because that's where you really like you know hearing Love Bites and and the Sentinel I mean, the Sentinel compared to the, yeah. compared to the priest live version. So this one, I was super stoked that it was, that it was on here. I love this song. It's just, I remember my friend that got me to listen to, uh, ram it down. He was just, he used to always just go, I just love that. Just, you know, if the man with the power, you know, can't keep it under control. Some heads are going to roll. It's just like, a, <laughs> like you know, badass. like you hear your dad say, Hey, you don't go clean your room right now. Some heads are going to roll, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's like, what are you going to do? Question him or like, I know, <laughs> defy, or defy him. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Like
2: Halford is large and in charge,
0: man. And if he That's says right. it, he means it. Yeah. And, and the way he sings, you know, the heads are going to roll at the end of the song. Phenomenal. <laughs> so good.
2: man this one thing that i really appreciate like a great band can take songs on that on an album they sound okay and then live they are just titanic like so my favorite band of all time is dissection the black metal band from sweden and their live in stockholm album um, they play songs that on the albums are already great and they take them and they become phenomenal live just like For me, almost like a transcendent experience listening to it. I think most bands are better live.
1: When you get a live recording that can really document, that can really capture that power, it's not easy to do. And when it's done right, it's the best.
0: Let me ask. Let me just tell you real quick though. What Go I ahead. would like to do. Have you seen the documentary called Dream Deceivers? I have not. It's about the trial. That the whole thing is about the trial from those two dudes that killed themselves. Yep. I mean, they even interview the dude that that survived. Wow. You know, because he he lived for three years and he. Have you ever seen In the a movie Mel? Because have you ever exactly seen the movie injured, Mask? Right? Yeah. Have you seen the movie Mask with Cher? Yes. You know, I mean, he makes he he looks horrible. Yes, his oh face God. is and but you can understand what he's saying and it's 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 really being a parent watching it i watched it a couple nights ago cuz i was really trying to put myself back in this you know time and it's really sad because they they you know you're you're hearing two different parents two moms and a dad who lost their ch- children mm-hmm. and a sister who lost her brother and you know but rob sings on the stand you know, mm-hmm. he, he sings better by you, better than me. And it's really cool to hear him on the stand singing it and, um, nice. and, and talking and there's some behind the scenes stuff. And I was really thinking to myself about, I thought this today about trying to see if I could find the guy that made the doc and see if he would want to just chat about it. You know,
1: if that's possible, I think that's an amazing idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I would like to get you guys on, have y'all watch the doc. And yep. then I, I sent it to Matt the other day. I can send it to you too. I, I, like I said, I watched it. It's, it's on YouTube. Um, I Great. sent it to Matt and told him to watch it. And I think you know, it'd be cool if we could all get on there and just kind of, you know, just talk about it from all kinds of perspectives musically. And, you know, cause that was in the height of, uh, it was after the PMRC was real huge, yeah. which y'all mentioned the PMRC the other day on that, on your last episode, which I was, I, I meant to address that because I, I mean, that's when I was around. And I mean, mm-hmm. that was all going on while I was a fan of this stuff too, you know, it was really interesting. So, but, uh, but, so that's, that's my idea for, um. I would like to talk about that documentary because that's, I remember watching it back in the nineties on like what, PBS or something when they used to have uh, oh, wow. public television. Yeah. And I, other than not, when I was, like I said, I'm trying to wrap my, I was really trying to get in the whole headspace of when I saw that tour this, this documentary was out, you know, I listened to Rob's part of the, of that part of the story. And so, uh, but I, I just thought that meant a lot to me watching it because it's just, it's heartbreaking really to watch these kids, to think that these kids, a seven, an 18 year old and a 20 year old kid went and killed themselves. You know, one made it a few more years, like, but still.
1: You mentioned being the perspective of a parent. Uh-huh, I bet time. those parents, you know, they are looking for something to sort of curb their grief. And even though it wasn't the band's fault that those gentlemen died, it's like, I can kind of understand that it's,
0: they had to look for some kind of way to deal with what happened. No one wants to blame themselves and think it's because of me that my son was, you know, and it's not always all the parent, but, right. but Rob said um, on his, and he said in the book, but when I listened to it the other day, he said, I remember going into court and the parents were there and he said, and I saw them and I had no anger toward them whatsoever. Cause these people lost their child. He said yeah. now, the, but the lawyers were a whole other issue. He said, I was angry with them because you know, those lawyers,
1: <clears throat> they didn't spot- have a personal stake. They were attacking yeah. the
0: band
3: because yeah, just they, they wanted money. to win and
0: get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So,
4: Surprise, you're in for a shakaha. The London town streets, when the darkness fa-fa-fa-would you least expect me? That you turn your back! Ah!
0: So all right, what what song were we on? I think we had talked about uh Yeah, we just talked about some heads and okay.
1: then we okay. got onto a few stories and yeah. next yeah. up we've got The Ripper. <laughs> yeah, which is a badass song and I'm so happy it made its way to this concert that we're hearing now because the band nailed it so hard and Rob has some really vicious screams. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. The song had sort of a decreased presence in the live set from the early to mid eighties, but yeah. then it came back hard on the Ram It Down and Painkiller tours. And I think that was sort of a direct response to the people who didn't like turbo. And they said, yeah. we should make our set list heavier again.
0: Well, and it's a dark song. Very. You know, you know, I was thinking about, there's the, you know, you know, there's a line in the song where he goes, or if you like Jack the knife and I thought, there's a song a famous song called Mac the Knife and I don't I don't even know how it goes but it's it's you know it's like a 50s song. Uh-huh. And it's just it doesn't have a, much of a um you don't get a, any kind of sinister vibe from it but I was like thinking about someone being called Jack the Knife is like pretty pretty dark. Um yeah, I mean I
1: you of course know what the song is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he was legitimately someone that people were very very afraid of. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I love I was playing this right before I came upstairs uh, to do this. I was my daughter had woke up and I was playing her the intro, Mm -hmm. you know, and to me, the intro because they go straight from heads are going to roll to, you know, it's like, and it it almost sounds a little weird, but
1: I love. I I feel like there's no place you can put Ripper in the set where it won't be jarring because that intro it's very discordant and I think it's
0: gonna sound yeah. jarring anywhere. I I was playing it for my daughter there and I was just like, listen to this, you know, he's like in for a surprise. Yeah, I, I love the scream, so he's like in, in for, for a a sh- sh- ah! I was just like I, and I kept just and I would and and it's so quick, it's like literally in the first 10 seconds. So I would play it and then I'd rewind it, play it and rewind it. And I was just like, listen to this. Yeah, I just, but I love I love that scream, and on I was wondering how it was gonna sound you know, midway through a show and he's already done, you know, some heads are going to roll and all guns blazing. And uh mm-hmm. those are songs that are tough. So it taxing on your voice. So I was wondering how that scream was going to sound. And to me, I like this song just as well here as I like it on um, unleashing the East.
1: Yeah, that's impressive. But I have to say, this is a very good version. One of the better songs in the set.
0: Yeah. I love that it's here too. Cause this is, my my priest fandom is it's kind of it's kind of uh sporadic you know i like th- cuz there's certain albums i love like we were talking about screaming for vengeance the other day and like when you mentioned pain and pleasure like i think that song is terrible i've never ever liked it at all and i'm like some stuff like on it's an never album played so-
1: in live so you definitely aren't
0: the only one who thinks that and what's the What's the extra song on Painkiller uh, on the um, living bad dreams like, to me? I, I don't think I've only listened to that once or twice. To me, I don't think I remember that being pretty terrible too. And so glad it didn't make the album. <laughs> no, the, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I love that the ripper was here. Cause this is one of the songs that I love. This too, I thought it was really cool. I didn't think about this till I was out walking earlier. That the Ripper it almost ties in to Nightcrawler, you know, because yeah, they're both stories of horror, they're mm -hmm. both unsettling songs as well. Yeah, I I like on Nightcrawler, he rolls his R's, you know, Nightcrawler.
1: Yeah, he just that's the performance (coughs) aspect of Halliford, where
0: he gives those syllables the extra spin or emphasis. That makes them stand out. I and thought was really cool on Nightcrawler too. Is you know when he at the you know he's like you know Nightcrawler, beware the beast in black. You know he's coming back and he goes Nightcrawler uh, and he'd be like Ugh. he just kind of just Ugh. almost like he's like getting killed or something. Yeah, like he tails he trails them off like it's almost like I was like he is totally into this character, you know, because he was an actor and all that stuff before on stage but- and stuff. So I thought this really fits well. Yeah.
1: Judas Priest nailed it on Nightcrawler. This yes. is one of the highlights of this concert. And you probably remember that the studio track, it fades out. But the hard ending in this live version
0: with that murky effect on Halford's
1: vocals is
0: yeah. just right. I will say there's a, you know, there the, yeah, because you know the way the song fades. You know, he's like Nightcrawler, and then there's the lot because the right before you. they faded, where he was gonna go
3: straight out of hell,
0: and I was just waiting for it, and then this song kind of goes, "Bow, bow," and it's like, oh no, I wanted to hear that one too. That Scott Travis night. kills it. Scott Travis kills it on this song too. He does awesome. He does. He does. It's got it. It's a, this is a phenomenal song. I'm so, I'm so glad that this, I mean, I'm pretty sure Nightcrawler is on a different live album as well, but I'm so glad that these songs are preserved here on the actual tour.
1: Yep. I agree with you. A hundred. I love that. So they played it live on the Jugulator tour in 98 and the epitaph tour in 2011 to 12. So it only made it into the set for three different tour cycles. I guess at least we can say
0: we have live versions of all of those now. That's one thing I like about Maiden is that they've been releasing live albums after every album cycle. And you're getting like for brave new world, you know, you got rock and Rio for dance of death. You got death on the road. So you got like very at their time, live versions of the songs. And I think that's so cool because so many bands, they don't really like kiss did it where they didn't release, you know, they released a couple of lives up front and then they skipped so many years before they ever put anything out. and There's so many songs that never got documented.
1: I agree with you, Steve. And I think I might've talked about this before, but when you're a huge fan of a band, whether it be Maiden or Priest, you kind of owe it to yourself to hear a show from every tour, if you can, just so you can sort of say that you've had the full experience of that band and you've seen the way that, their songs have changed and the way that the band has changed as performers over time.
0: Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I, and that's one thing I love about Maiden. I mean, cause they literally there's almost, a, and that's, what's so cool about the new box set by priest yes. that now, now you've got a painkiller tour. Now you've got a Ram it down tour. That's right. And, and that's, I haven't listened to the Ram it down one yet. I, I did listen to and. Did you? I was asking you about this because you know, there's that um, the show from 1990 where they do like 10 songs. It yeah. sounds like it's Scott Travis's very first show with the band. It is. Oh, that's awesome! But I love that they do like Between the Hammer and the Anvil on there, yeah. And Better like, by oh,
1: You, Better Than Me. Well, the, some interesting to,
0: choices. There was another, I'm trying to see what they, there was another song that they did on there that blew me away because I was just like, holy crap, the fact that they because oh, because the rebel yes the fact that they did leather rebel because i think they said that both of those songs were in and out of the set list pretty quick on that tour
1: that's true so yeah some interesting choices and it's awesome that's documented now
0: yeah oh yeah yeah i I love priest did it right on that box set you know putting out because they could have just as easily said hey we're going to release all the live albums i'm not the live but all the studio stuff and give you just, you know, extra, you know, the poster and the book and all that. But the fact that they included, there's the, the 1980 recording, there's an 81, 82, 86, 88, 90, 90. I mean, seven or eight. And then there's a. And then 1979 at the mud club in the mud club. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is to me that, 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 that's worth it because that's, that's what you want. Unreleased real stuff. History almost the whole history Yeah, yeah, so that's awesome though. Uh...
1: Next up, and we're at song number 10, is Turbo Lover. Boy, I definitely would have rather heard Between the Hammer and Anvil or Leather Rebel than oh, another tired version of Turbo Lover. But this one is kind of interesting because the synth is very muted. You can barely hear it. And that makes this feel like more of a straightforward rock song, yes. especially with the how fast Scott was playing it
0: yeah 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 you're you're speaking my language because this is exactly what i wrote of the whole set list this is the one that i wish they would have subbed for something else and and then i wrote down that instead of listening to the song and really critiquing it or writing any notes i wrote down the sentinel dissident aggressor beyond the rails of death (laughs) rapid fire delivering the goods you know or even anything else from painkiller sure you know But and like you said, they played it faster. I said the synth guitars are kind of weak on the album, uh, the way it sounds here. But or I said they should have made it a full-on metal song, reminiscent of what like like said. Hey, this is what the song would sound like now if we recorded it on Painkiller. Right. I mean, that would have been interesting. And Metal Gods are
1: much heavier now, and it's really no reason why they couldn't add a little bit of crunch to Turbo Lover.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of weird.
1: It, or it's unlikely that we would have gotten this song on a live album because the painkiller tour cycle only had turbo lover being played four times on over a hundred tour dates. And I really? know set list FM doesn't have a hundred percent of every sure. concert in history, but it's the best resource we have. And there's yeah. enough data to show that turbo lover was not a key part of the setlist from 1988 through 1991. Yeah. And they didn't play anything else from turbo on those tours either. And I think they were really trying hard to win back the fans that album alienated.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it's funny because um, I did me and uh, Matt, we did the reviews of turbo and Ram it down. uh, And I remember going into it because I had not listened to either of those albums in years. And I just was like, you know, what? other than, you know, you know, sporadically. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, let's do both of them. and I remember going in thinking I'm going to really love Ram It Down and I'm not going to love Turbo. And it was the opposite, though, because even though Turbo isn't as heavy, the songs are better. It's really a weird mix because those, two, you know, and they were supposed to be one album instead of two. So,
1: right. That was a strange experimental time. And yeah. not everything they tried worked. Uh, that, that's probably the politest thing I can say about that period. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
4: How your heart beats when.
1: This is the song I would have swapped out? I agree with you, yeah. But the next one, I wouldn't trade that. Oh, the man. touch of evil is
0: classic! Oh, god, I love um, the like what I was talking about on Moonchild on 666, where they you know play the, the you know the riff on guitar. I love that instead of the keyboards here, it's the guitar. I was like, that, yeah, awesome, that was so awesome. I will say this, though. This is the first song to me where Rob's voice sounded like he was kind of uh, his voice, you know, and not to he still He's sounds really it, good. He? Yeah, he he sounds like his voice is getting tired to me <laughs> on this song, but the guitar solo is spot on really, really good. Yep. Um, but then and even this one is sped up from the studio version. Yeah. As tired as he sounds during the song, which, you know, it's bits and pieces of it, you know, it's, it's, there's good and bad. But the part where the music stops and he says, You're possessing me, it's like he saved everything he had Perfect. for that. Because that line that comes in after it when he's like, You know, you're possessing me. And he comes in with, In the night, and his voice is just like, he, cause he has to do it right behind each other. And you can right. hear like such a drop in his voice just for a second there is like, But, at, you know, there's a pretty strong touch of evil at the very end, too. So, yeah.
1: He's straining a bit to hit the notes, but he pulls off most of the song. Oh, yeah. exquisitely. yeah. The bass at the beginning is nice and ominous. This yeah. is a good version. And like you oh, said, yeah. having these painkiller tracks on the set for the actual tour, this yeah. is where you're going to hear them at some of the strongest renditions you can get.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
1: it's close to when they recorded it. They're probably excited about playing them still. Yeah unlike some of the other songs they've been playing for well over a decade yeah yeah sure sure and then they rolled right into painkiller that's the song i wanted to hear the most for that exact reason because let's face it 1991 is the best chance you're gonna get to
0: hear rob sing the high
1: notes as close as possible
0: yeah 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 and and the i'll say like Scott Travis, I mean, I know I've mentioned his name a few times, but he knocks it out of the park on that whole drum intro because that's a pretty big deal. You know, I mean, you hear painkiller and you're going to notice if he doesn't get that drumming part right. he nails it he nails it he
1: does and like you said this is his basically introduction to the band his first song on his first album and yeah scott travis he raised the bar for judas priest big time
0: hugely hugely you know what's so cool though or it's interesting because when halford left the band Scott Travis went with him, you know, because Scott Travis played on on both of the right, fight and albums, fights. and I don't I don't think he did two because I think two was kind of an electronic type of album, but he mm-hmm. did. And then when Priest reconvened, he's back with Priest. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So that he did that, and that Rob thought enough of him to bring him with him, and then that the Priest thought enough of him to let him be back.
1: Sure, and listen, if he was the youngest guy. He is the least involved in the band's drama, but also he's looking for a paycheck at that oh, point. Sure, he just, sure, He's young, he's hungry to play music, and he wants to do as much work with as
0: many people as he can. Oh, yeah, and, and anybody, I mean, look, you can say as many great things as you want about Ian Hill, even, you know, KK and Glenn more so than Ian Hill, but you take away Rob Halford, And Judas Priest, you know, it's kind of like taking away Bruce from Iron Maiden. You know, they they might have been something, but they wouldn't have been. I mean, because Rob Halford is a once in a generation voice.
1: I think so, too.
0: But um, sort of the LeBron
1: James, that once in a generation talent that's in the Rob Halford is that in the realm of vocalists. And the voice is the most unique instrument. I mean, Mm -hmm. and guitar players and instrumentalists, they all have their own unique playing styles. Sure. The instruments are way more easy to replicate than someone's actual voice. Exactly. Not too likely that anyone's going to have the same voice as Halford.
0: Yeah. And to me, again, he sounded, his voice sounded somewhat tired on some of these screams. But, you know, at the very end of the song, he throws in that one pain as it's fading out, you know? as the song ends and that is it's like he was saving the landing like he saved everything he had he was like okay I I gotta get to that part (laughs) it was awesome I love that I love those screams by Rob. He's just, he's incredible. Yeah. He's incomparable. Oh yeah. Well, you know, earlier Tom had said when he was talking about Ripper replacing Halford and I tie that to, you know, I tie a lot of things between uh, priest and maiden because, you know, Bruce left in 93 yep. and Halford left in 91 or 92, I guess. It's interesting how similar of a trajectory both of those yeah. guys had. Well, and it's funny, but see, Bruce left later and came back earlier. Uh, Rob left earlier and came back later. But, you know, a lot of people complain about uh, Blaze Bailey, but it it just goes to show you that even when you replace an incredible vocalist like Bruce or Rob, but you replace Rob with someone who has a very good skill set, you know, the guy, you know, Ripper has an incredible range. He sure does. But But a lot of Priest fans are still like, He ain't Rob Halford. So, like, Maiden fans complain a lot about, well, Blaze was so different. It wouldn't have mattered if they would have got somebody who was very similar. Maiden fans would have still said, ah, it's not Bruce. You know, it wouldn't have mattered. So, I agree 100%. And when you are at that point in
1: your career where you've had legendary genre-defining albums, Maiden had nine albums. I think Priest had 12 albums when their singers left. And that's at the point where you're not going to easily replace someone who the fans really identify with. Oh yeah. After your first two albums, when they replaced Deano with Dickinson, that's early enough in their career that people were able to accept it. Sure. Well, and a big part of that is also Dickinson being the legend he is, but even so, like just think about if Paul Deano had done at least eight albums
0: with Maiden, right? That would totally be a much harder yeah. pill for his fans to swallow. <clears throat> yeah, and Priest didn't record anything with um, uh, what was the guy Al Al Atkins? Atkins, yeah, they didn't record anything with him. So, but imagine if they had done it if they had done two albums with him in the early seventies, and then you were like, I like Deano. He's got a he's got a good voice, but you know, comparing Diano to Dickinson is, you know. Bruce was a more uh, he had more um, character I think I would say so so but both both are great singers though
1: Next up we get to Green Monolishi. and I think this is the song right before they cut to encore. it is. yep. Alfred sounds pretty energetic. I love the way that he's pumping up the crowds. oh yeah, although I wish the uh, at the end was a
0: little louder. yeah, you can't hear the crowd hardly at all on that yeah. Mm-hmm. I love like i'm I'm listening to it in the car. And I'm singing along, you know, I'm uh, I'm doing all that, but like the crowd, I'm like, it's still awesome. Like you, it's cool when you know it, you know it's there. So you can kind of hear it, but if you didn't know it was there, you probably wouldn't even notice it was there.
1: Right. But when you're a hardcore fan, your brain sort of fills in those gaps exactly. for
0: you. <laughs> yeah. I was very happy that this song made the album as well, because I think that um, so far, you know, like I said, I love Priest Alive. But the fact that you know you've got a touch of evil, you got painkiller, you got nightcrawler, and you got all guns blazing, you got four songs from Painkiller, those songs blow away every one of those songs blows away in every song on turbo. So the fact that you got this set list, I'm trying to I, I talk too long. <laughs> this <laughs> set think- list, yeah, I know who imagine that. This set list is a better set list though than priest live. I, I, there's still bits that I like. I love metal gods on there. I love heading out to the highway, you know, the, the, the extra songs from defenders, you know, love bites and some heads are going to roll in the Sentinel. I mean, those are incredible on that album. And, and those made me love those songs, but this song, another one is, I, this is another one. I just love, I'm sorry. I'm going like in a million places to say one word.
3: (laughs)
1: this song too it's always a good crowd pleaser and i don't think they play it all the time anymore because they just have so many but mm-hmm. whenever this song comes up i like it it's one of the
0: better songs from the hellbent for leather era it's a good it's just it's a good dark it's got a dark vibe about it you know in that dun dun. dun love dun, dun, the just, riff the riff is good
3: yeah yeah
0: love it. I I really like it. Incidentally, have you
1: heard the studio track re-recorded in uh, 2000 on the Demolition album with Ripper? No, I have not. That was, I think, a bonus track only in Japan or Australia, but it was a new studio version of Green Monolishi with Ripper, and they made the guitar a lot more down-tuned to make it sound more like judas priest's sound of that era was sure uh, i can't say i particularly like it but it's yeah. very interesting just to check out and hear what sure.
0: it's like did they put it on the version that came with the box set they did not Ugh. see that now You'll that's where that's one, one that's one place they, they should have added all the b-sides to the albums on that i think that would have been a good idea mm. yeah I, I would like so to too.
1: And it actually, the 2001 CD remasters with the bonus tracks like Prisoner of Your Eyes, uh, Living Bad (laughs) Dreams, those are missing from the box set. And it makes me think, wow, would it really have killed them to just make one more CD? I mean, it's already 42 discs. What's 43 (laughs) at that point? And just stick those bonus tracks on there.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say, those songs you mentioned, those are all songs like Prisoner of Your Eyes. I don't like that one. Living Bad Dreams. I don't like them. <laughs> but oh, cool. There's a reason they didn't make the album, I think. <laughs> True.
1: So Priest goes to Encore with the Green Monolishie with the two-pronged crown, and they come back out with Breaking the Law, and Breaking the Law, to me, is also a little bit oddly placed like Hellbent for Weather, because Breaking the Law feels like an early setlist song to me. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, I I prefer the version that's on Priest Live because it's earlier in the set and rob's voice is a lot stronger in or that you know earlier in the set but and i would say the version on priest live is the one that made me like the song because i didn't really it just didn't do anything for me before because to me the version on the album is pretty cheesy you know, there's kind of there, there's a reason that when when beavis and butthead watched it that they're just like
4: this sucks
3: <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: I usually do prefer live versions of Breaking the Law because they're faster, they're heavier. And I also think Rob has improved as a vocalist since the British Steel days. Oh, he tends yeah. to add a lot of extra flourishes to Breaking the Law in the live setting. He'll mm-hmm. sing certain notes higher or he'll put more emphasis on the syllables. He pumps up
0: the crowd big time. Yeah. I'll say this too, because I I've always thought, to me, I mean, Painkill is my favorite album, obviously, by Priest, by, you know, but I always have thought in the years that this was his vocal peak. But I honestly think that his vocal peak was probably closer to the Priest live because I think, I don't know, he's awesome on both of them. But I think even though Painkill is incredible too, but I, I just I, like comparing the live albums, I feel like, sure. he, and you know, the thing is, is Priest live is probably touched up. I'm quite sure it's got to be touched up to a certain degree back then and 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 this is not going to be touched up because rob can't now replicate that type of stuff like he could you know what i mean right he's just 70 year old man he can't go sing like he's 40 so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is like like you
1: said this is raw this is really how it happened it's straight from the soundboard i mean they could do like a little bit of touching up but. Not so much for the
0: vocals. They can't totally redo it. And this is another song where I said it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they had included it. I know they have to play it because it's... But really, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if there was a deep cut here instead, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's sort of the thing with these encore songs. It's like this encore has three songs that we already have a dozen versions of. And I can't say any of these are my favorite these are good versions but none of them are my favorite versions
0: yeah yeah the next song i've never i've never been a fan of living after midnight i just never have it's just it's too happy mm-hmm. you know i don't i i i say it a lot on my podcast i like i tend to like darker stuff and you know like like i did a poll you know recently with wasted years and 2 minutes to midnight and 2 minutes to midnight's a darker vibe and wasted years is a more even though the lyrics aren't happy you know the chorus is very you know up and happy and, and right, it sounds me, like major the, key, yeah. The yeah, major key, yeah. So the whole living after midnight, you know, I just, a, of course, have you, you've obviously seen uh, you have, if you say you haven't seen this, then you may have to shut your podcast down, but surely you've seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot, right? Oh, yeah, you know, my, you I, I wrote do down, my favorite version sometime soon. My, my favorite version of Living After Midnight is that guy singing it, you know,
3: <laughs> Rock
0: Into the Dawn, <laughs> just so oh, funny, man.
1: You know, you put Living After Midnight next to Painkiller, and it's really hard to believe that it's the same band playing both of them. Good point. But Good point. And that's like the diversity of Judas Priest that I love. But I do love Living After Midnight, and I always have. It's one of the first songs that got big into my head. It got stuck in my head when I heard it, and I just... I would be a total liar if I didn't tell you that I've heard it at least
0: 300 times, but now, I'll, yeah, I'll admit I, I love it. When I was running earlier, I, I was doing a thing where I would run during one song and walk during the next and kind of pace myself. And I, I was singing along, you know, when living after midnight came on it comes always, on, and you're singing, even whether you like the song or not, right. I, I do not now. My one part that I always kind of, the, to me, the coolest part of the song is, Loaded, dun 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 dun, dun loaded. loaded. Like that's the best part. That's kind of a little, little more, you know, that dun 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 dun, that little riff is kind of little, you know, not happy. I don't know it, but I like the sentiment of the song. You know, I like the idea that the lyrics provide, kind of like wildest dreams by Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that song because it's really major key, happy sounding, but I like the lyrics behind it too. So.
1: I had another thought on living after midnight. Go ahead. This version I thought was good because the background vocals from the band stand out and they sound like they're really on point. And Scott Travis throws in a little double bass on the fills as he always does. This one, this one didn't jar me quite as much (laughs) as diamonds and rust. This one, I think he nails it and that's sort of the learning curve when you're a younger drummer figuring out what's going to work and what's going to add to the song rather than subtract.
0: Well, sure. And you think of when Scott Travis joined, it's not like he was kind of like replacing a singer. He's coming into a band that is one of the premier metal bands and not only premier, but like pioneering band, you know, like you're coming into a band that has a lot of history. You're not coming into a band where people just don't recognize things. And, and I think he, I really think he fit into it really well. Like he didn't, I would say so. Yeah, he added a lot, so.
1: Last but not least, you've got another thing coming. Yeah. The riff is nasty, but I think Rob sounds a little bored here, and maybe he was just eager to finish the show at this
0: point. <laughs> I like the uh, – the. uh I just like it when he goes, whoa, 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 yeah, and the crowd just immediately, like, whoa, 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 yeah. It's so crazy because you think about it, like you're and at you a concert – them- You just hear some guy yelling and then someone else, and then immediately go, oh, I got to repeat it.
1: (laughs) And this is one of the songs where you actually can hear the crowd. Yeah. This is one of the songs they're loudest
0: for. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I do remember uh, back in the nineties when Headbangers ball was a thing. I can always remember seeing the priest live version of Mm -hmm. this song you know, because there's that one scene where Rob grabs the camera and he kind of runs to the front of the stage with the camera or yes. right, the cameraman. <laughs> I always remember Now, th- there is something that I did. Um There's a part where the song is kind of he's doing something and he does. I don't know if you caught this or if you know something. He does like a ZZ top. He goes, how, 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 how? <laughs> And he does that how, 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 how. And I just remember thinking, now, is he doing that because of ZZ Top or is he just doing that for, you know, it's just whatever. But I thought it's got to be ZZ Top related. <laughs> now that is cool. And then he does the, you know, that coming on you line. Coming on you! Yeah, That's pretty cool too. So sure. I, I like the sing-along. I think that this is the it's perfect the- sing-along song for the fans.
1: It sure is. And that's why it's the closer so often. Yeah. And it makes a really damn good closer and it might still be their most popular song to this day.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Well, you guys did the episode on it recently and that was the first song Tom heard. And that's probably the first one I heard because I have a recollection of hearing it when I was really young. If I'll bring I up
1: something I mentioned. Yep. The people in the crowd, they go ballistic and I can pretty distinctly remember when the first verse comes in one life, I'm going to live it up. The crowd was so loud that they yeah. drowned out the band for a second.
0: Dang. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's, but it is, it's, it's just a perfect song to get a crowd. I mean, you got another thing coming. It's just an easy line to yell out, you know,
3: you got another thing coming.
0: It's aligned with power, you know, it yeah. makes you
1: feel like you're part of something
0: yeah yeah and it's like y- y'all talked about the lyrics and and kind of what the lyrics meant too and i i it's it's a, it's an empowering song it sure is you know you know you got one life you're gonna live your life and you know i'll do whatever it takes to enjoy it and have fun with it and people like be the best i can be
1: big time
0: one thing that um uh, rob halford said about whenever they went to court years ago is that they were trying to paint them into a corner of you're this heavy metal satan worshiping demonic man he said even if we have a story that's good and versus evil he said good always triumphs over evil in all of our stories and i was thinking i don't know if i've ever noticed it or thought about it but i was like that's really that's just cool that's just cool
1: it is. And I think priest has a positive message and I think you've got another thing coming and living after midnight sort of prove that that's uh they want metal to be a community of inclusiveness. That's yep. always sort of been their mission to bring people together. Oh, yeah. and that's the magic
0: of priest. Oh, one funny thing. I, I told my daughter, I was going to say this about her last night we were watching, you, you know, you know what, like, uh, Nineteen ninety, Glenn Tipton looks like you know, kind of the feathered long hair. Yep. And we were watching it last night. I was show I was showing her part of the documentary that I was watching, and she just goes, "Ooh, he's good looking, <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Tipton." I'm like, "He's like a forty year old man here." It just made right. me laugh. I wasn't expecting that at all.
1: <laughs> She's fourteen. <laughs> oh man, better watch out. Keep oh keep her on yeah, tight I, with you Steve. I know. I know. <laughs> That's so, hilarious, dude. Oh, so, gosh. So, wrapping this up, I was looking at the set list FM stats for Judas Priest in 1991, and I noticed that live in Irvine, this show gave us five songs that were played the least in that year. Okay. There's evil, Heading Out to the Highway, Some Heads Are Gonna Roll, Diamonds and Rust, Turbo Lover. Those songs were not played super often that year. Okay. And... I'll list out a few more that they played on other shows beyond the realms of death grinder riding on the wind, the Ooh. sentinel victim of changes. Huh. I would have gladly taken any of those. Yeah. Even though those songs are on other live albums. So it's not the biggest loss that they aren't here.
0: Yeah. I, I'll tell you what I thought was interesting is because I'm trying to think of which live album it is where they do riding on the wind. Uh, with dave holland playing it sure and the 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 forum thing that they did the z rock show the 90 that came with the box set the 90 live i thought that the intro because they opened with riding on the wind on that and i thought i'll see if you agree i thought that the his drum intro was a little underwhelming it almost sounded like he was just doing this little because th- I was like almost like this doesn't even sound like it until the. Dun- 보통, what did you think of that?
1: I agree, and it's probably nerves. It's the first song of sure. the first show that Scott Travis has done, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and yeah. if you listen to the 05 concert, that was a DVD from the Angel of Retribution tour. What's that called? Uh-huh. Rising in the East. Okay. They do riding on the wind on that album and it's a lot better.
0: Okay. I'll have to check that out. Cause I, I just remember, I've always, I mean, cause I know there's a version of Dave Holland playing it live on some show. I can't remember what it is Where, or, or, you know what? It might be on um, one of the deluxe editions of uh, either turbo or um, here, let me look. I've got Defenders. It right. Yeah. It's probably on uh, one of the older ones too. So, yeah. If you look on, um, on the live in Atlanta, the 82 that, that they put out on the box, yep. it's the second song, which even though he wasn't as good of a drummer, you know, Dave, I, that was one thing that y'all talked about on the last episode too, that y'all were kind of dissing Dave Holland a little bit. And I was like, I get it. Cause he's definitely not like Scott Travis, mm-hmm. but he sounded really good on certain things. Like there's certain bits on priest live that he did in songs that I liked better than what Scott Travis did on this album. But The more I listen, the more I'm kind of like, Scott Travis rules. (laughs) He does. And I I do want to give
1: Dave Holland the credit that he's due. And I've said this before. He had a very good sense of rhythm. And he Mm -hmm. was able to do his parts that he played on the albums. And he played them well. And he kept in time. So he was perfectly serviceable. He delivered live so I'm I'm not going to try to take away from what he accomplished. Oh, sure, sure. Even though he's not as technically good a drummer as was being or Scott Travis, yeah. or
0: maybe even some of the earlier priest drummers like Simon Phillips. I think he, he had us with what, you know, sometimes a person has less ability, but they work harder with it and they do a lot. Like I felt like he, sure. I mean, obviously he's a talented drummer. I mean, you, you're not playing in a, Band like Judas priest for so many years and you're not great, but I feel like he had less to offer than, um, Scott Travis did, but he did, he used it well. Oh, and that reminds me of something else. I would I agree. Y'all talked about, um, uh, Les Binks playing with, uh, KK, uh, with KK's priest and Les mm-hmm. Binks. There are some show. He did do some shows with KK's priest before their really? album came out. Yeah. There's, there's some footage of him out there. It's, it's a show where it's him. K.K. Ripper and um, uh, the the dude from Megadeth on bass, Dave Ellefson. Um, Very four, cool. I've got to look that up. Yeah, it's there's some good stuff. There's a there's a version there's a version of them doing um, oh gosh, what's the softest what's the softest Judas Priest song ever? Um, <clears throat> you know what it is. They do before the dawn Ooh. on that concert. Yeah, and it's awesome. Nice <laughs> and 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 because K.K just destroys the solo because it's you know it's not him going crazy it's just a nice like more glenn tiptony type solo mm-hmm. and it sounds just like you hear it you're like oh man it's like listening to the studio versions so good it's so good you got to check that out will do i might do that as soon as i get off this
1: call <laughs> <laughs> now
4: this is your with so a
0: What's your overall impression of this show? I think it's a great set list. I, I, it's hard to argue, you know, having the Ripper in there and having Green Man Alicia in there. And and if you're going to include a song from Defenders of Faith, having some heads are going to roll is, to me, an incredible song. The fact that you got four songs from Painkiller, it's the Painkiller Tour, but having four songs in there is awesome. Hellbent for Leather sounds awesome as an opener or a closer and you know, like there's a couple of things that I would have changed, you know, like we, like we both, I think agreed on, you know, turbo, I would have, I would have taken turbo out. I would take living after midnight out, but the fact that diamonds and rust and green man, Alicia both covers too, you know, I think the fact that both of those are, I love both of those songs. They made both of those their own and, and they do great versions here too. So, and my last overall impression is Scott Travis rules. And Rob Halford rules too. <laughs> yeah, and they do. And KK, Glenn, and Ian are just perfect support, you know? Like Ian and, and Scott really work. They play well together. They're a good foundation.
1: They do, Steve. Now, I think this is a good concert. It's a good document of the painkiller era. Mm-hmm. But I'm not quite as impressed with it as I am with Judas Priest's 1980s shows. Okay. And I think they used to have a lot more energy. And we all know that 91 was the time in the band when it was almost over for yeah. the first Rob Halford era. Yeah. You hear about those stories, like you mentioned, Glenn and KK getting in fights <laughs> backstage on a regular basis. Yeah, Rob kind of knew he was on his way out. Yeah. And as a result, I don't feel like Judas priest sounded their absolute best here.
0: And also, you know, like what I said earlier too, you know, that Rob says in his book that we were, very, we were a tired, he said, I was tired, you know, and then you're throwing us right back. We just finished our tour and now you're throwing us right back out. And he said, you know, we agreed to, it was funny. Cause if you listen to it, he said, we agreed to do it, but we never really talked about it. He said, and looking back, I can't believe that we didn't talk about doing this tour, especially because it was kind of a politically charged tour, you know. And they're about, not a political band, right? He said. He said it really surprises me that we never talked about that back then when it happened. So they are, you know, they were tired. There, there's yeah. some. I think there's some awesome performances here, and then, like you said, there's some awesome were, moments for sure. Awesome. Absolutely, a few
1: songs, yeah. a few songs, like all guns blazing. I would put that version way up. Oh yeah, Nightcrawler was amazing. The Ripper was excellent. Yeah, this is a good concert, and it goes to show how incredible Priest performs on a regular basis. That oh, yeah. uh, a tour where supposedly they were tired and phoning it in still mm. sounds pretty good. Like a <laughs> yeah. diminished Priest performance is still good by the scale of any
0: other band oh yeah I'm I'm like you said I'm glad it exists whenever you told me that they were putting this out on the box I was so happy because I mean a that's the only Relip, pr- yeah. priest tour that I ever saw and you're re a big moment yeah. in your life in your Absolutely. music fandom I'm very happy that it, that it's there I'm very happy to have it so awesome and I would gladly go back and see it again <laughs>
1: Yeah, me and Tom like to say that we would astral project ourselves into the past if we could to see (laughs) these fans when they were young and hungry. Oh, hey, at least we have this now.
0: Absolutely. I wish I wish they would have put it on. I wish they would have included DVDs of all these shows, too. Like if there's because, you know, that one has to exist because that's on YouTube. Well, they were doing the in concert. You know, it was recorded professionally. So you think that they would I wish they would have included it, But you know, but I'll take this too. too.
1: me, too. Steve, I have had so much fun talking to you today, man, and this too, has been man. awesome. And I am sure this is not going to be the last time we work together. Absolutely. Uh, before
0: we wrap, just tell the listeners how they can find you. Okay. Um, I I'm on Twitter a lot. I have a, a I think my handle is Uncle Steve Rock. My podcast, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, where it's we talk about a lot of Iron Maiden, obviously, and other bands as well. I will say this. Cause you may, I, you know, cause I think priests and maiden fans definitely there's a, they're, they're together, you know, Big they, overlap. Yes. One of the biggest things I do on my show is well, and I can probably say this because by the time this comes out, your episode will be out. I do episodes on my show called iron maiden stories. And I take what I am just an average dude, uh, who's a big fan? And if anyone is a big fan, I say, hey, you send me an email with your Iron Maiden story, and we'll get together, and you'll come on, and we'll record it, and you'll be an episode of my podcast, basically. <laughs> so, um, it's something really cool. At this point, um, I've got 31 of those episodes out. Yours will be number 32. Heck yeah! Um, they're they're just a lot. You've done it. So, I mean, you know, it's just it's just sitting down and talking Maiden for a couple hours and. It's, and it's just fun, man, to reminisce,
1: tell your stories and your personal experiences that... Yeah. And I never get tired of hearing those episodes either because someone else's listening experience is totally different than mine. Exactly. I hear the stories that happened at the concerts they went to and just thinking, wow, someone loves this band just
0: as much as me, but their mm-hmm. perspective is totally different too. Definitely, definitely. But if anyone... Listening now wants to do that. Say, hey, how do I send my Iron Maiden story? It's very simple. I have an email, podcast at gmail.com. You can send me an email there and the ball will start rolling. Awesome. Hey, Steve,
1: we love your podcast. We're so happy you came to join us. And listeners, if you're looking for something new, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone is the place to be.
0: That's the podcast to listen to. <laughs> and and I'll close saying this george here is the man with the power and if he can't keep it under control some some heads heads are gonna gonna roll roll. (laughs) hey i really appreciate you having me on this has been a lot of fun until next time george stay locked in and and keep keep defending defending the faith faith. (laughs) awesome dude